Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. The future is old. So old. (laughs) I don't understand that one. I can't even make a joke about that one. It's okay. You can let it go. (laughs) Let it go. The joke has already been embedded. (laughs) For who? For the recipient of the message. Oh, okay. Well, lucky them. (laughs) Today we'll be discussing Am I the Asshole by Cassie Alexander. While blackout drunk at a party, Becky's fiancé Logan gets her to agree to summon a demon for a threesome. The demon they summon is Quenelith, who is more than Logan bargained for. But before he can dispel the summoning magic, Becky and Quen form a connection that is too powerful for either woman to ignore. When Quen later tracks her down, Becky has to decide whether to ignore their undeniable chemistry or give up her safe life and take a chance on Quen. There will be spoilers beyond this point. And we have a content warning for cheating and emotional abuse, but not between the main couple, alcoholism, and sex trafficking. So Erica, should we jump into the demon summoning or give a little backstory before the demon summoning? I think a little backstory is appropriate because it will help us understand Becky's mindset throughout the story. Becky is 23, I believe. She is engaged to Logan and they are each other's first. As a result, I kind of feel like maybe Logan has this missed opportunity thing hanging over his head, especially due to his friend group. Mm -hmm. And Becky has this feeling of maybe she owes it to him, possibly due to that. Maybe. Becky has issues. Her parents died when she was young. I'm not sure how old. After that, she kind of has felt like she has to earn love. One of the ways she does that is by capitulating to what other people want. So when her fiancé wants a threesome, she's more predisposed to say yes than no, just because she doesn't want to be unworthy. That's the impression I got. She has this sense of unworthiness. One of the ways that she deals with it is by drinking. She feels like she's a more fun, interesting, worthy person when she's drunk. She's easier to get along with. People supposedly like her better. Keep in mind, the people who supposedly like her better are Logan's friend group, who are essentially stereotypical party frat boys, who still haven't grown up. It's possible, too, that at least while she's drunk, she likes herself better or likes the world better. I think she does. One of the reasons later that she considers staying with Logan is because of the stability that until that point, she feels like she's lacked because he's been the most consistent thing in her more adult life. Yeah. Since her parents died. I think she does like herself better when she's drunk. She doesn't think she's worth anything when she's sober. <laughs> she did the drinking, then she doesn't feel worthy. But when she's drunk, she she feels fine because she doesn't have to deal with the things 
that adults need to deal with sometimes. The feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. and whether or not she's worth knowing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that really stems from the loss of her parents. Yeah, possibly. Logan doesn't really help. No, he enables <laughs> at best. Yeah, he's not like a terrible person, but he's not like a good person either. No. Some could say he's an average kind of person. He isn't really very grown up. No. He'll emotionally manipulate Becky into choosing the answer he wants her to choose. I don't know if this is how you read her, but I read her as also being immature. I agree. Later, she gets compared or described as innocent. And I remember reading that and shaking my head and going, "Mm, maybe not so much innocent as stunted, emotionally stunted. Like I said at the beginning, she has issues. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't learned to stand up for herself because she's scared of what that will do, too, I think. Because if she stands up to Logan and he leaves, he represents the stability that she's known thus far. Her relationship with Logan has an extra complication as well because Logan's mother, Bastiana, is her boss. Yes. Becky is very invested in being an art dealer her boss bastiana is apparently amazing at what she does and becky has an in with her because she's with logan and so while bastiana treats her like crap becky also is kind of unfireable (laughs) because she's dating the boss's kid (laughs) and that gives her a level of safety as well Do you think Bastiana's behavior can be understood as a way of reacting to Becky's less than sober behavior? (laughs) Because I think Becky thinks she gets away with it. (laughs) Like, nobody knows. And I wonder. That's a good question. I don't know. I attributed it more to Bastiana is extremely confident. Mm -hmm. Maybe to a fault. And she sees Becky as weak because she does not stand up for herself. She just kowtows to whatever the more powerful person in the room wants. So I saw it as a lack of respect due to that. Yeah. But it could be due to her alcoholism as well. Yeah, Becky makes that point of saying, like, nobody knows that I have a drinking problem. And I'm like, they might, actually. And just for whatever reason, have not addressed it with you. (laughs) Her two besties know because... Yeah, her besties know. They're supportive of her desire to quit. I don't think Logan either knows or notices. Because I think there's still alcohol in the house, right? Right. Because that's why she walks quickly by the kitchen is because there's alcohol in there. I don't think Logan acknowledges it because his needs are more important than Becky's. Yeah, see, that's why I wondered about... Bastiana because I'm like well she's sharp (laughs) I think she would notice whether whether or not she'd care or she might just see it as like oh another sign of her weakness I attributed Bastiana's treatment of Becky to her seeing her as weak I think you're right with all that background (laughs) (laughs) background dump (laughs) before the story even begins Becky and Logan were partying. Becky got wasted, along with everyone else, supposedly. And supposedly, 
agreed to summon a demon with Logan so they could have a threesome before their wedding. And the only reason she really has to to know this is because Logan's friends got together and bought an expensive demon summoning kit for them as a gift. Yay! Which <laughs> is sweet, except that there's all the underlying issues. Yes. And who knows? Because Logan is the type of person who would get his friends in on something. Yes. And also, I think it's important to point out that both Logan and Becky kept saying, well, demons don't count. So it's, it's like it's not cheating because yes. demons don't count. And not only that, but there's the idea of, well, this way they could explore sexually, possibly... Becky also has the idea that this will be a test of their relationship. If their relationship can last that, it'll prove whether or not it's the right choice for Becky to move forward with marrying Logan. Mm -hmm. But because Becky doesn't remember agreeing to this, she has finally admitted to herself that she has a drinking problem. And at the beginning of the book, she's decided she's going to try to not drink anymore. Yeah, so her not drinking, it sounds like, is a recent development. That was the impression I had. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the story, Becky and Logan are having this conversation that sets this up. And Logan is like, well, when are we going to do this? Because the wedding is coming up. And Becky really doesn't want to do it. But she also doesn't want to be the cause of any sort of problem whatsoever. (laughs) As she sees it. And she agrees, okay, yes, we'll do it. They end up having uninspiring, just, it sounds really like terrible sex to me. Hmm. Where Becky's just laying there like, okay, hurry up and get off, please, so I can go to sleep. Yeah. That, unfortunately, I think is is not uncommon in some people's relationships, but it just makes Logan look that much worse to me. Yeah. I'm sorry, if you're having sex with someone and they're not enthusiastic, then maybe you're better off (laughs) masturbating. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, some people have agreements and I don't necessarily understand that. And I'm not going to try to make a judgment on that or anything. But the way it was written in this book, it sounded just gross to me. Logan was okay with Becky not being enthusiastic. Yeah. It just, ew. It didn't feel good to read it, but they're not the couple, right? So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The next day, Becky gets home from work and Logan has prepped the arcane circle for this demon summoning. He's excited. He's moved all the furniture (laughs) out of the way. He's done the salt in the special circle with the diagram and all the stuff. And he's read all the instructions and he's ready to go. And he's like, we have to complete this before darkness or something. I don't know. Before sunset, you have to join in on this. And Becky's like, I really don't want to. But she does because she doesn't want to disappoint Logan. Mm -mm. And when the demoness appears, Becky is just surprised by how hot she is. Like, she is very attracted to the demoness. But she's also very nervous about the situation. 
She's also, I think, kind of upset with Logan, although she's burying that really deep. Yeah. She's letting Logan take the lead. The demoness, however, <laughs> turns around. She's like, yeah, my name is Quenelith and I have rules. <laughs> And she is like, you will not be touching me to Logan. You can jack off or you can watch me go down on your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Logan's like, "Um, this is not what I want. (laughs) It's not how he envisioned this happening. (laughs) And there's really this interesting moment where Becky kind of considers it. Before she gets the chance to respond or say anything, Logan breaks the salt circle and Quenelith disappears. So that adds another layer onto the whole thing where now not only did she agree to this threesome, but once it was there, she didn't get a chance to have any say (laughs) whatsoever as to how it would go or end or what she would be allowed to participate in. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she has to be allowed. And you get the impression right away that it's all about Logan. He wants to fuck a demoness and he wants it to be okay with Becky. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really consider Becky's anything, like thoughts on the matter. Or maybe he just assumes because there's several points in the story where he's like, oh, well, you're not like that. You would never do this about different things. And Becky doesn't even know. Like, she doesn't know if she's like that or not, because she's never had a chance to find out. Because she's always had people tell her she's not like that. (laughs) And she's just accepted it. And she she feels like, well, when I'm drunk, I'm not that way. I'm more fun. Yeah. That's one of the reasons drinking is so attractive to her. Now we get in Quenelis' head, and I really enjoyed how the author differentiated between the two points of view in this book. Because Becky is very much just your stereotypical colloquialism-using 20-something person. Quenelith speaks very formally. She has kind of a dramatic flair to how she says things. And while her chapters are very brief compared to Becky's, I feel like it gives us a bit more insight into the character. She comes from a different world, literally. Yeah. You get the impression that demons are much... longer lived than humans she holds herself up to a certain standard is the impression i get she she elevates herself with the way that she speaks and thinks yes she is very secure in who she is you get the impression early on that she's lived a a life at this point or at least a chunk of a life at this point we learn why quenelith was in the summoning circle to begin with and the reason is kind of gross And it's because she's in prison. And in demon prison, one of the options is to be put in a summoning cage. Where if a human uses a summoning kit, then the demon goes and has to do what that human wants. Theoretically. They perform at least some sort of sex act. And then the magic created there goes back to the demon world for the demons to use for things. I can't remember if it's ever specified what. I don't remember either. I don't think it was. There are different types of demons that can get summoned too. Apparently there are some that are not really people. They're kind of just like magical sex dolls. And then there are some that are into it. 
and sign up for it. And then there are some who are prisoners like Quenelith and have to do it for a set period of time to atone for crimes. Yes. Hard labor. It was icky. Yeah. Quenelith, however, is very intimidating and she has been able to avoid having any sex that she didn't want to have by either intimidating the summoner or being rude or mean. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like, yeah, that would be kind of an Erica thing. Showing up and just being like, (laughs) I have rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, feel free to take this out. I was just... (laughs) Which, that's great. (laughs) I thought she was awesome. Yeah. She's just so badass. Yeah, she's assertive. It's great. We also learned something kind of interesting, too, which is when she was summoned, she was summoned wearing what Logan wanted her to wear. Yes. The sexy dominatrix-esque type clothing that she was wearing was due to Logan's imagination. It wasn't her choice. (laughs) It's really interesting, the whole demon-human worlds interacting in this book. I'll give a brief, brief history on that, I guess. So demons have always been around on, like, this other plane of existence while they are horned and tailed and green. They are not evil. They have actually been fighting to protect humans and other beings from bad creatures which aren't necessarily specified and at some point in history they're able to make a treaty with humans so that they can come and vacation on the human plane and also potentially retire on the human plane in the book this is just a known fact this is how the world works here Yes, they save us because they like the seafood. I mean, <laughs> right? I'm sure there's other reasons, but uh, <laughs> no, they're very into the seafood, especially the salmon. Yes, it's all about the salmon. <laughs> that last summoning that Quenelith did was her last summoning of her sentence of five years. Now she's a free woman. She's able to go back home. She's very intrigued by Becky. She wants to find out more about her and maybe get to know her. Back in Becky's head, the circle's been broken. Becky is the one who gets to vacuum up all the salt and clean up everything while Logan refuses to talk about what happened. And they kind of agreed beforehand that they weren't going to talk about it. But Becky feels like she needs to talk about it. (laughs) And Logan is not willing to. Because he is not emotionally present in their relationship. (laughs) No. The next day at work is kind of a horrible day for Becky. She's working on getting the gallery ready for an art showing. One of the issues is that the catering is late and they will not be bringing the salmon on time. Which is a big deal because the demons who attend are often big spenders. But one of the reasons they attend is the salmon. When the gallery opens that evening for the showing, 
Becky is approached by a demon that she has spoken with before, Craylock. He wants to buy a painting from her. And then Quenelith shows up and kind of makes up a reason (laughs) 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 to talk to Becky. Becky gives her a tour and talks about the different art on display and all that. The artist that they are showing is named Etcetera. This is an artist that Becky isn't necessarily into, but knows a lot about because that's her job and she's trying to sell paintings. Quen tells Becky that she's going to buy everything. You've convinced me, human. (laughs) I will buy them all. And while they're walking around, the other demons at the showing end up recognizing Quen and congratulate her on being back. They all know she was in prison. Becky doesn't know that, but... That's a known deal in in uh, demon land. Quenelith is a very well-known, well-respected demon. Becky goes and adds up the bill and it's huge. She's supposed to earn a commission from that. And her commission is also amazing. Bastiana is kind of impressed that Becky sold all those paintings to Quen. She and the artist, etc. go up and simper <laughs> i don't know bastiana doesn't really simper but etc does <laughs> but they both go up to schmooze with quenelith which makes becky have to back off and no longer talk to her which makes becky think well quen is hot obviously unattainable it looks like etc is really into her that's probably more her speed anyways and besides i'm in love with logan right This shouldn't matter, right? Right? When Becky closes up the gallery for the night and heads out, Quinn is outside waiting for her. She's smoking. I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Apparently, smoking doesn't affect demons, so it's okay. And Quinn at some point admits that she only smokes when she's nervous. And she really only smokes around Becky, so... (laughs) (laughs) you can intuit what you want from that when becky sees her she has a lot of feelings that she's not validating for herself like well what i think isn't worth it obviously quen is into etc and besides i am marrying logan and therefore i don't need to deal with any of this stuff that's coming up now and (laughs) it's odd and I shouldn't feel put out but I do feel put out that Quenelith showed up and then just kind of brushed me off. Quenelith asks Becky how's it feel to be bought and sold which made me think that maybe it was an ulterior motive of Quen's to gauge where Becky stands on the whole summoning thing. Yeah. Was she totally in on it? Or does she have thoughts about it that maybe make it okay for Quenelith to want to pursue a relationship? And Becky says, demons don't count. That's what my fiance told me. And Quenelith says, do you think that's true? And then this part, I couldn't believe that she said this, but Becky says, I kind of hope so. But then she (laughs) leans in and kisses her. So it's kind of a weird answer, honestly, because she's saying like, yeah, no, you're actually not a person. (laughs) 
But really, she's also saying, I hope not, because if demons do, then I'm cheating on my fiance when I'm kissing you right now. But also that means Logan wants to cheat on her. Yes. But not cheat on her, because if they don't count, then it's not. (laughs) He wants permission to sow the wild oats and have the bride that he wants. Although I kind of feel like Logan just thinks the demons are like glorified sex toys. Yeah. He fully objectifies them and to him they don't count. Yeah. I think for Becky, she's trying to buy into that because she wants to be accepted and loved by Logan. But it's pretty obvious that they do count, even from the very beginning of the story, as far as Becky is concerned. Yes. I thought it was interesting, though, that Quenelith accepted this answer of, I hope they don't. Yeah. I think maybe in her position, I would have wanted to pursue that a little further. (laughs) She might have, unless the kiss didn't happen at right that moment. Yeah, the thing is, though, is you're in this situation fraught with sexual tension. And this person says to you, yeah, I hope you're not really a person. And then they kiss you. Oh, yeah, no. I'm just... I know, but we're dealing in romance land, right? (laughs) The kiss is going to happen and it's going to be so amazing that wits are dulled and yada, 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 right? But it doesn't have to be that way. Oh, it doesn't have to. That's cheapening the genre, Em. Oh. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that way to still be a romance. They can have some friction. (laughs) Maybe I'm a bad human. I I was a little disappointed in Quinn. Let's just leave it at that. I felt that she should have said, excuse you much. It would be understandable to me if she was (laughs) offended and, yeah, not being like, um, wait just a tick. And we don't really get even a peek into her thoughts around that exchange. After that kiss, Quinn has basically decided that, yeah, I want her. (laughs) so there you go when becky gets home she sees a new demon summoning kit sitting on the coffee table however did this get here she's like no uh uh-uh no and logan says but demons don't count and becky says if that's true then just do it without me and he's like really (laughs) see she knows they count yeah And she says, just don't tell me about it. I don't want to hear anything about it. And he's like, oh, no, no, I won't tell you. (laughs) You won't hear a single peep about it. (laughs) But it just makes you think that as far as Logan's concerned, Becky's given him a free pass to summon as many demons as he wants moving forward. Yeah. And there is a point later in the story where she wonders if he has summoned another one and not told her. Right. While Becky's mulling over this unsatisfying conversation, (laughs) Bastiana calls Logan and mentions that, oh, by the way, I'm putting Becky's commission toward the wedding. (laughs) Bastiana has taken over planning the wedding and paying for the wedding in theory, although this commission apparently is going toward it. Becky has kind of taken the position of it's fine. Obviously, she cares more than I do. (sighs) (laughs) Then maybe you shouldn't get married to this guy, honestly. (laughs) Yes, if your enthusiasm is at that level. (laughs) 
I mean, you don't have to want to plan a huge wedding. That's fine. You don't have to. But you also don't have to have a huge wedding. <laughs> I got the impression, like, uh, it was her way of not wanting the wedding. But she didn't want to say that she didn't want it. It was her out. Right. Because it's like, oh, Bastiana just knows everything. I'll just let her. So she doesn't have to commit to saying, no, no, I think this is not actually what I want. I mean, they could be together and not get married. That's not the thing. It's just more of her being able to nope out. Yeah, it gives her another way to not think about it. Yep. We get another brief Quen chapter where Quen is having trouble sleeping because initially the reason she went to the showing was to show Becky that she wasn't a trapped plaything. She wanted to show who she really was, that she was a person and powerful. But when she saw Becky, she felt like she was being asked to save her. This look in Becky's eyes made her think that Becky needs rescuing. I agree Becky needs rescuing. <laughs> yes. Whether or not she needs a rescuer who isn't herself remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah, she needs someone maybe to help her have a reality check, though. Yeah. Three days pass. We're back in Becky's head. Bastiana has invited Becky and Logan to a cocktail party. It's basically a work party. And this might be the chance for Becky to earn some more of Bastiana's trust in learning more of the business. Up until this point, Bastiana has been very close to the chest with her contacts and that side of the business. And that's what Becky has really been hoping to learn from her. And since Becky managed to sell out the gallery, Bastiana has decided to let her in a little bit. This has raised Becky and Bastiana's esteem slightly, very slightly. (laughs) While Becky's working, her best friend Gemma shows up to check on her. Becky tells Gemma everything, all the stuff with the demon summoning and how it went and how she feels about it. And the kiss, just literally everything. (laughs) And I really liked the friendships in this book, especially Gemma. But both of Becky's friends are completely 100% on Becky's side, but they don't tell her how to do anything or what choices to make. And Becky feels 100% safe to let them know everything. She trusts them. They are the ones who know about how she feels about drinking and are supportive of her trying to quit. They're the ones who know about these burgeoning feelings that she's having for Quenelith. They're the ones who know about the hesitation that she feels toward getting married to Logan, which she doesn't even really want to admit to herself, yet she still tells her friends. Logan, I think, texts calls Becky and says that he has a late meeting that night so he can't go to the cocktail party but hey have fun without me. Becky's having a pretty good day. She feels good about this cocktail party even though Logan isn't going. She's still excited about potentially progressing her career. One of her goals is to eventually be able to feature underrepresented artists with unique viewpoints You know, if she can ever get Bastiana to trust her to select art for the gallery. At the party, 
Becky sees that Quinn has been invited because, of course, <laughs> Quinn has been invited. Bastiana seems a little relieved that Becky has shown up and she kind of voices Quinn on her. No, you can talk about the smart arty stuff with her. Here you go. <laughs> she moves with the big spender, please. They go outside so Quinnelith can have a smoke because she's nervous. <laughs> and while they're out there, Quinn tells Becky that she had been imprisoned. That was why she was able to be summoned. But she doesn't really want to talk about why. That's a boundary she lays down. When they go back inside for dinner, there's some illicit touching under the table by Quen. Becky is very into it, but also kind of mortified. She has a lot to potentially lose that she still wants if things were discovered. After dinner, Quen decides she needs another smoke break. <laughs> and they go outside again. And I just, I had to write this quote down because I thought it was cute. I'm Quenelith the Conqueror and I get what I want. You. <laughs> <laughs> she is aware that Becky has this other relationship and she doesn't care. <laughs> nope. She's like, yeah, no. No, no, I'm going to win. <laughs> they kiss some more. It escalates. They make out. Becky rides Quen's thigh until she comes. And then Quen is all like, yeah, you can go clean up in the bathroom. I'll distract Bastiana. <laughs> when Becky gets out of the bathroom, she finds out that Bastiana has invited Quen to Becky's bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fine, right? If Quen goes. <laughs> Work-life balance means nothing. Well, not to Bastiana. You don't mind if this makes me money, right? Yeah. Becky is now feeling, in addition to all the other feels, guilty. Yeah, maybe. Because she's possibly cheated on Logan. I mean, do demons count? Well, the thing is, is we already know for her they do. Yeah. Even if she's trying to say otherwise. Becky, at this point, is thinking, you know, I need to tell Logan that this wedding is off. This isn't going to work out. But when she gets home, Logan is asleep and it's already after midnight and she feels guilty about waking him to break up with him, I guess. <laughs> she notices that the trash can is open when she goes to close it or throw something away. She sees that the demon summoning kit is in the trash along with three used condoms. Uh-oh. And she realizes that Logan bailed on the cocktail party so that he could have his demon sex finally. Yeah. Now she's like, well, maybe we're even then. Maybe it's fine because I kissed Quen and did sexy stuff with her. But he had sex apparently three times with the demon summoning kit. So it's okay. Yeah, she's she's trying to make that work for her. Tit for tat? I don't know. Quen is now at the point where she has determined that Becky is her zenith, which is spelt Z-E-N-U-T-H, and is apparently a word that the humans stole, but then misspelled. It is a word that means that Becky is her everything. She is her love. She's in love with her. Quen has a conversation with the jailer who was present at her last summoning 
and I don't know how to pronounce it, Jorla Hut, I guess. Yeah. Jorla, Jorla, (laughs) Jorla the Hut. Jorla the Hut. (laughs) (laughs) Warns Quetelith about going to the human realm all the time and using magic there. No, 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 Quen, you are being bad. If you go back to the human realm, you're going to get yourself in trouble again. He's kind of appointed himself as sort of like a parole officer slash accountability person, which he wasn't told to do or asked to do. And Quenelith doesn't really want him to do. He volunteered. (laughs) But while they're talking... He also tells her that he had sent a replacement kit to the last summoners that Quen had seen. And Quen's like, oh, really? And did they use it? And he's all, yeah, they just used it tonight. And Quen's like, well, was the girl there? And he's like, I don't know. And you shouldn't care. <laughs> Why is this an issue for you? Quenelith is like, no, I need to find out. So now she's worried. Did Becky go home after we talked? And, and did stuff and summon another demon and have wild demon sex. <laughs> Uh-oh. Mm. The next morning, Becky lets Logan know that she saw the kit. It's a weird conversation. Like, Becky wants to kind of say, hey, yeah, I know you used it. Looks like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> and Logan's like, well, yeah, I wanted to be safe or whatever, which, okay, I'm glad he used condoms, but still... Yeah. He said he wasn't going to bring it up to her. She wasn't going to find it out about it. And yet it was just in the trash. So he wasn't very good at being sneaky. Becky then says, kind of as a prelude to wanting to tell him about her kissing and more experience. She asks Logan if he would be okay with her using one on her own since he used one on his own. And he doesn't take her seriously. This is one of those times where he's like, oh, but you don't do that. That's not something you want. (laughs) She's trying to figure out how to come clean and say, you know, well, you did this, but I did this other thing. She wants him to know. She wants to know that he would be okay with it because she is supposedly okay with him summoning demons for sex. Supposedly. Supposedly. And he tells her that she's thinking too hard again. There you go, using that brain. And then leaves. So she doesn't get a chance to have that conversation she wanted to have. She does get to talk with her best friends, Gemma and Kelsey, though. And she tells them, again, literally everything that happened. No secrets between these women, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, it was very cool. She's stuck, though. Like, do I blow up all my life plans or do I stay on my current path to marriage? If she pursued any sort of relationship with Quen, that's going to really dramatically affect her current life. She's not going to be engaged to Logan anymore, which means that Bastiana will probably fire her and or blacklist her from working in that field. Mm hmm. And that is, I think, the biggest stumbling block for her. The work thing. I think that she's at the point now where it's like, oh, yeah, not being with Logan, whatever. But (laughs) I want to be an art dealer really bad. (laughs) Quen goes to find Becky at work and engineers free time for Becky so that they can get coffee together. 
That I felt was a little pushy. I gave Quen a bit of a pass because she's a demon named Quenelith the Conqueror. <laughs> but it was kind of pushy where she's like, yeah, you know, your friend here could watch out for you while you take me to the coffee shop and show me where it is. She's kind of doing the same thing that Logan does, just kind of railroading her a bit without necessarily realizing that she's doing it. I don't think she realizes at this point how much of a pushover Becky is. I think Quenelith would certainly speak up if someone was like, yeah, you're going to take me out for coffee. And she didn't want to. Oh, totally. And so maybe she just expects that Becky would as well. Maybe. I don't know if she realizes how much of a people pleaser that Becky is. While they're getting coffee, Becky talks about art and why she wants to be an art dealer. And Quen shares some stuff about herself. She's willing to talk about her past, except for why she went to prison. Becky tries to let Quenelith down gently. Quenelith is very obviously let her know hey i'm interested in you and becky's like yeah no um actually i have a fiance and a job and my life is all planned out but we could be friends (laughs) (laughs) not the response she was hoping for she has a little introspection moment and she realizes you know i can't pressure her she needs to decide for herself And so while it hurts her to agree to stay friends, she's willing to do that because at least that means she'll get to hang out with Becky sometimes. And I put in my notes, stab, stab, stab. (laughs) Two days pass and now it's time for the bachelorette camping trip. Hmm. Becky has given Gemma Quinn's contact info. So she is up on all the plans Gemma and Kelsey have both told Quen, hey, yeah, this isn't a drinking party. (laughs) So don't bring any of that. Do not bring your own booze. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's kind of a fun, interesting bachelorette idea, though. They set up tents and they do s'mores and scary stories around the campfire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then Gemma and Kelsey both get tired conveniently. So that Becky and Quen can be alone. (laughs) Quen tells Becky a story. What she says is a story. And it's about two women who were in love and battled together. And when the time came for them to settle down and live happily ever after, that didn't happen. It's a sad story. And Becky is fairly sure that it's an autobiographical story about Quen. And they hold hands. She gives Quen her hand for comfort. And then after some quiet time, Quen tells her, go to bed. And then in the morning, Quen is gone. So now Becky is a little concerned. Although she's telling herself she shouldn't be concerned because she's not pursuing this relationship anyway. Because she loves Logan, right? (laughs) But she's concerned that Quen is looking for a rebound relationship or something. But it shouldn't matter because she loves Logan, right? And she's getting married, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's six days before the wedding. When Becky gets home from the camping trip, she happens to find some salt on the floor. And this is what you brought up earlier, how she maybe suspects that Logan summoned another demon. Uh-oh. Because she thought she cleaned up that salt pretty well. <laughs> is this leftover from 
the first night that Logan summoned a demon or was there another time? Hmm. Hmm. When Becky gets to work, Bastiana asks her if she knows anyone who might want to display their art while the gallery is empty. Since they sold out all of Etc.'s work, Bastiana basically needs something to be on the walls until she finds another wonderful, worthy artist to display. This work that she wants Becky to find isn't necessarily something that she's going to do a showing for, but she's kind of tossing Becky a bone. I feel like, again, yeah. having sold out the gallery, this has raised Becky a bit in her esteem. And she's like, okay, well, you know, here, you can pick some art. Have fun. Do you think that also because as they're getting closer to the wedding, maybe that's a factor because she's going to be family or... Again, maybe she has noticed that Becky isn't drinking as much or at all. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, that's not where my brain went, but yeah. Just because I'm throwing these things out there doesn't mean there was textual evidence to support it. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Yeah, well, there's really no evidence for my, my suspicion either, which is that, you know, Becky has proved herself somewhat. I mean, I'm assuming that, but we don't really know what Bastiana's thinking. Yeah, it, it didn't seem very clear to me, but maybe I missed things. But one of the things I liked, though, is that this kind of shows that Bastiana isn't just some evil, horrible mother-in-law. She's actually just a person who's very work-driven and I think is used to telling people what to do and maybe is a little bit like Quenelith, where she expects people to stand up for themselves if they're not willing to do what she wants, like the wedding planning thing. Maybe she does think that she's doing Becky a favor by doing the planning. Yeah? Possibly. She's an interesting character for sure. She's not just evil or mean. She's just a person. Yeah. Becky is really excited about this opportunity to choose some art to show at the gallery. And she gets one of the underground artists that she really likes to bring all of their stuff and she kind of plans this secret showing, you know, an underground gallery showing that Bastiana won't know about. Honestly, that is pretty intense for Becky to get that far along where she's going to make some sort of <laughs> crazy decision where this could also be job ending. She kind of feels like she's a little safe because she's engaged to Logan, but she's also making some interesting choices that maybe she wouldn't have made a month ago, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. She's kind of starting to decide that she doesn't have to be drunk to do stuff. She can do stuff anyways. Yay. <laughs> yeah. While Becky is working, Quinn shows up again and arranges for Gemma to hold down the fort at the gallery. See, she's kind of pushy. <laughs> yeah, you're going to take me on a date while you're at work. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a big no from me. I'd be like, yeah, no, you have to respect the fact that I have a job. <laughs> I know. I I was, I didn't necessarily like that, but I mean, they're swept up in the moment or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I like Quen, but this particular aspect of her personality kind of got to me. And I really wanted Becky to step up and say, hey, no, I'm working right now. Yeah. To establish boundaries. Yeah, it's not okay for you to decide that I can take time off. 
Yes. It's not okay for you to commandeer my friend to enable this. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Especially since it's so important to her. Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, if she's caught, she could get in real trouble. Potentially job losing. I mean, she's doing it because she feels safe to take the risk. But she's, you know, taking over someone else's shop. Yep. And it kind of highlights that Quenelith doesn't necessarily have as much to lose as Becky does in this relationship. Yep. Because Quenelith is pretty established. She has a home. She has money. She has notoriety. She has a good sense of herself. Yeah. She's an established adult. Yep. And Becky is still kind of in that postgraduate growing phase. And not only that, she's dealing with some heavy stuff too, like her sense of unworthiness, her alcoholism. While she's been successfully not drinking at this point, she still wants to. Mm -hmm. She's dealing with the idea of marrying someone who maybe isn't who she thought he was. She's got some some heavy stuff going on. But at any rate, she goes on this date with Quen and it's not technically a date. It's a date. But <laughs> the reason Quen wants Becky to go out with her, supposedly, is to give her a tour of the art museum because Quenelith is planning on donating money to open a new wing and she is going to be meeting with the board of the museum and she wants Becky to attend with her. This is potentially a really big opportunity for Becky. If she were to meet the board, this would give her an opportunity to make contacts that she doesn't have to rely on Bastiana for, but she would have to rely on Quenelith. So she's still not doing it on her own merit. Before they go to the art museum, Becky takes her to a smaller museum first and tells Quenelith about how when her parents died, she ran away from her grandma and she ended up at this museum. While this museum doesn't have the type of art that she wants to show necessarily, it has art that she finds is kind of dreamlike, like this perfect life, idyllic. She says one of the reasons she really likes her job is because she thinks that good art is healing. And this art at this museum was healing for her. Quen gives her a hug and it's sweet. It's a friend hug, kind of. <laughs> Becky tells Quen that she decided she doesn't want to go to this board meeting because she would rather meet the board later because she earned it herself. And Quen accepts that. The next day, it's time for Logan to leave for Vegas to go on his bachelor party. Apparently, his party isn't going to be nearly as low-key as, <laughs> as Becky's party, which is fine. You know, have the party that suits you, but it just shows, I think, how different they are. Yeah. Logan wants to go to Vegas and get wasted and party and... All that, Becky wants to go into nature and hang out with a small select group of friends. Yeah. Bastiana is actually kind of nice to Becky. <laughs> she feels, I think Bastiana feels a little weird about Logan <laughs> going to Vegas too. 
And she tells Becky that Logan's dad didn't settle down until after they had Logan. She kind of recommends having kids early to help settle Logan down, (sighs) I guess. Uh Uh-huh. But it kind of also sounds like maybe Logan's dad wasn't necessarily super faithful either. That was the impression I got. Yeah. And then Bastiana says, oh, since you're going to be home alone tonight, do you want me to come over and hang out? Maybe give you some mom, mom advice or something. And it's kind of a sweet moment. Yeah. I think Bastiana's trying to relate to Becky. <laughs> I think the walls are finally coming down a little bit that Bastiana must have had around herself. Yeah. And I think Bastiana knows her son is a bit of a sleaze. Yeah. Becky says, oh, well, I would, but I have a night planned with my friends, actually. And Bastiana says, okay, we'll have fun and take tomorrow off. Which is just like, what? Really? (laughs) (laughs) And then she goes home. And now that the cat's away, the mice can play. (laughs) Becky sends out the text saying the underground showing is now underway. What did you think about it? In that moment, it's like, Bastiana's walls finally came down. She tried to be nice, relatable, emotionally available, whatever. And then immediately right after, what does Becky do? (laughs) Breaks that trust immediately. I I was just curious your thoughts. Well, she's been breaking Bastiana's trust right and left anyways. This is true. Every time Quenelith comes over and says, hey, Gemma can watch the shop while I go out with you. Becky's like, oh, okay, fine. Which, you know, Bastiana wouldn't be okay with. (laughs) Yeah. So this is just a escalation of that, really. But it is pretty messed up. And I don't think Becky really feels guilty about it whatsoever. I don't think she thinks it's actually going to hurt Bastiana. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that if she thought it would, then she would maybe think twice about it. But it doesn't really show her in the best light. I was also curious. Again, I don't know if there's so much evidence for this. But do you think that Becky just thinks of Bastiana as an asshole? So it's okay. Like she feels like Bastiana has wronged her. And therefore it is okay for Becky to essentially have a party on the premises of her store without her permission. Or leave her store in the care of someone who isn't an employee. So kind of another tit for tat thing, right? Like what she did or how she rationalized the thing with Logan. Yeah. Logan was with a demon. Therefore, it was okay for me to be with a demon. Yeah. Bastiana's a jerk to me. Therefore, it's okay for me to be a jerk to her. Yeah. Maybe I was kind of conflicted about the whole decision of Becky's because... She made these plans when she thought Bastiana was kind of an asshole. And then she realizes that, oh, wait, maybe I don't understand her as well as I thought I did. But then she goes through with it anyway. And I kind of think maybe it has something to do with her not wanting to disappoint the artist that she was going to be showing. Again, trying to be worthy of that person. So she's kind of in a bit of a bind where she can't not disappoint. She's going to disappoint somebody, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So maybe she makes the choice as to which disappointment will be easier for her to bear. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I'm just curious because, I mean, earlier in the story, Quen refers to her as innocent and like she's attracted to what she perceives is Becky's innocence. That's such a, a weird thing to me. Just culturally, we do this. Oh, a female character who is innocent is therefore desirable. She lacks X knowledge. Ergo, that's good. We don't do that with any other adults, do we? No male adults are like, well, he's innocent. That makes him more attractive. (laughs) I mean, we don't really. Well, we do a little bit like, oh, well, he didn't know better. Therefore, we should give him a pass. Yes. Yeah, we do do that. So it's a little different. It's a weird, weird thing to me. I, it's hard for me to understand that. So you've mentioned the innocent thing a couple times now, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because I didn't interpret it quite the same way. I felt like Quenelith thought she was innocent in comparison to... Like herself? Yeah, Quen's own world weariness. Hmm, Okay. She hasn't dealt with the shit I've had to deal with. Yeah. I mean, not that that makes it better or worse or anything, but that's the way I interpreted it, as opposed to any kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just that word. I get hung up on that (laughs) word, maybe. Well, yeah, because oftentimes it's used in relation to virginity or sexual experience. Yeah. Which, I mean, Becky is. She's only been with logan she didn't even realize she was really into girls too until she met gwen so i mean she is kind of innocent in that sense but i mean she's not innocent as far as the choices she makes because she makes some pretty bad choices yes i don't know just thinking yeah no it's a good question i don't have answers i just have questions (laughs) sorry fair enough (laughs) at any rate the underground showing is now underway the local artist that she's showing has a bunch of friends that showed up quenelith shows up and brings some other demons and they bring their own salmon because becky couldn't afford it (laughs) becky is kind of hanging back because she's sober and she's wondering at this point can I be as fun for others when I'm sober as when I'm drunk? She decides she wants to try. Like, she wants to try to put herself out there now, even though she's not drunk. The party is going so well that Becky now has realized Bastiana's probably going to find out about it. <laughs> oh She calls Logan to give him a heads up that his mom might be mad. Oh, oops, <sighs> I screwed up. Logan is obviously drunk or on something and he's really happy <laughs> like oh it's becky <sighs> me she gives him kind of a cryptic message like if your mom calls you tell her everything's okay that's not <laughs> all right <laughs> it's not much of a warning but okay <sighs> they say bye but logan doesn't hang up i think he just I don't know, either forgot or assumed Becky was going to. And he starts talking to his friends about her and telling them lies about what Becky supposedly did during the demon summoning. (laughs) Like she did sexual acts that she did not actually do. (laughs) This really upsets Becky. And so she bails on everything and leaves Gemma in charge again. (sighs) 
and she takes a bottle of the champagne with her. And before she even makes it into her apartment, she's already drinking. And she finishes that whole bottle and then starts in on her stash of vodka. She's just trying to get as drunk as possible. I think she's decided it's not worth it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much she tries. She's never going to be good enough. Logan will still have to lie about her to be good enough, according to his friends. Quen shows up at her apartment sees the state that Becky is in, portals her back to her house, and takes care of her. Quen is really affected by Becky's state because it makes her remember her prior love, her prior Zenith, who died by getting hit by a drunk driver. And she wasn't able to save her because her love died. She wanted the driver to hurt, and so she disemboweled him. As you do. Killing him. And since it was an easily hideable thing, due to no other witnesses, etc., the demons who found out hid her crime and put her in prison in the summoning cage. And that's why she was imprisoned. Quen starts thinking about all the times that she's seen Becky and realizes that this whole time Becky has been trying actively not to drink. And so she figures that the fact that she is now drinking means that something or someone must have hurt her. And she feels very motivated to hurt that something or someone. But she doesn't. She takes care of Becky instead. Yay! When Becky wakes up, she realizes she's at Quen's house Becky tells her why she had been drinking, what happened, that she'd realized she'd been trying so hard to change and fit in with Logan and his family, but it was never enough. Quinn says that she wants Becky. She tells her about how interesting and beautiful she is, and she says, quote, You don't have to change or try to please me, Becky. I not only want you, I want you as you are. And Becky replies, saying, Well, I'm not special. And Quinn says, why would you believe that when you could believe me? <laughs> I thought that was really cute. <laughs> yes, that was very cute. And then Becky says that believing her is scary. And then Quinn says, well, then I'll believe for both of us. <laughs> and they kiss. And then they have the sex. And it's very sweet and amazing and wonderful and hot. Becky falls asleep after that. And when she wakes up, She's alone, but she has this vague memory of Quen leaving to go get her some clothes because she can't magic her clothes. She has to have actual clothes. And while she's waiting for Quen to come back, another demon shows up. The reader can tell it's Jorlahut, but he says to Becky that she's Quen's folly and that he's going to take her home now. He notices the vodka bottle that Becky had brought with her when they portaled, mm-hmm. and he's like, now you have Quinn drinking. He's so ready to paint Becky as the bad guy in the situation. Yeah. He's the one who reveals that Quinn never drinks because her Zenith was killed by a drunk driver. And now Becky kind of looks around the house and she realizes, you know, this is kind of like a shrine to that other woman. How can I even compare to that? Another reason for her to feel unworthy. <laughs> Even though Quinn has given her zero reasons to feel unworthy. Yes. It's all Becky's issues. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So Jorla, Jorla Hut, <laughs> Jorla the Hut. <laughs> Gosh, why did I say that? he drops becky off at Gemma's apartment because becky has decided well you know obviously i'm not with logan anymore (laughs) it's midnight and the wedding is that day and her friends have been covering for her this whole time but also kind of worrying and becky tells them again everything that happened and that she's not sure if she's going to go through with the wedding And they're like, okay, well, I guess you still can if you want to, because we've been covering for you. (sighs) So she still has the opportunity to make this choice. The choice isn't out of her hands yet. I think that's maybe what Becky is pushing for. She wants the choice to be out of her hands. Yeah. Maybe that's why she went forward with the underground showing. Maybe. She was looking for a way out. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe it's like this subconscious attempt to sabotage sabotage it yeah yeah self-sabotage when quen gets home and that was kind of sad like cute and sad because quen had spent all day or all the time that becky was sleeping like finding her clothes and gleefully sending them (laughs) back to her closet getting all excited about it you know it was very cute and when she gets home she realizes becky is gone and jorla shows up and is like yeah, I took care of your little problem for you. And at first, Quen thinks that maybe he killed her. And he says, no, I took her home. But really, you should be concerned about why she let me take her home. Because I didn't kidnap her or anything. She was probably scared off by you. Mm. And this is when Quen tells him, you know what? If you meddle in my life again, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Get your nose out of my business, dude. <laughs> Becky is at Gemma's house. She's trying to sleep, but she's struggling. She's finally braved looking at her phone, and there's a bunch of angry texts from Bastiana. (laughs) And there's a few texts from Logan. And as she's looking at stuff, Quen starts texting her these very, very sweet, lovey things. And Becky asks her to stop. She says, if you don't want to hurt me, then you'll leave me alone. And Quen does. She stops. Becky has come to the conclusion that she wants to be her own person, whatever that means, and she needs to find herself and stop hanging on other people's coattails. She feels like if she stays with Logan, then she's just going to be hanging on his coattails and Bastiana and trying to get whatever meager leavings they're willing to give her. And if she goes with Quen, well, then Quen will have the contacts to be able to get her to do what she wants also. But she won't have achieved anything on her own. Yeah. So now it's the wedding day. Quen is going to attend, even though she hasn't been invited. She dresses up in her old military finery, complete with a very fancy sword, (laughs) and goes to Becky's wedding. And I really like this, too. She, She comes in, everyone's standing around. Becky's not there. And she says, I was led to believe I could object. I object to the highest degree. (laughs) And I would be willing to do so with combat. Where is Becky? (laughs) She's ready to lay down. Mm -hmm. And then um, Gemma runs up and says, oh, yeah, we don't know where Becky is. She disappeared. Logan recognizes Quen and says, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) And Quen says, what I would have done that night if you had let me. Stealing your woman. (laughs) (laughs) Which, 
is problematic, but also fun. I enjoyed it. (laughs) And then Bastiana says, wait, how do you know Logan? And Quinn says, ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Quinn realizes Becky must have gone to that museum that they had gone to before. The one where she ran away when she was younger. Mm -hmm. And she finds Becky there. Becky tells her that she can't run from Logan straight to her. She needs to choose herself first. And Quen needs to give her time to figure herself out so that she can work on herself, work on not drinking, work on learning that she can fix her own mistakes. Quen gives her a gift, but then before she leaves, she tells Becky what Zenith really means. She says, it is a term of affection, the highest order my kind can grant. It means that when I look at the stars, I see you in them. For as long as we both draw breath, Becky, I will see you in my stars, no matter what sky I am beneath. So call me, my Zenith, if you too look up and think of me. Hmm. And then she leaves, and it's sad. It is sad. But she's respecting Becky's boundaries and decisions. Which is good. Becky is now poor again. She's blacklisted from the art world. She's living at Gemma's, sleeping on her couch, and working as a barista at a coffee shop. She's begun going to meetings to help her with not drinking. There is a bright side, though. She's able to pick out art for the walls of the coffee shop and host tiny art showings. So she's still sort of able to do what she wants to do, kind of, a little bit. Yes. (laughs) And then we get a huge time jump of a year, which I thought was crazy, but also kind of good. I think that less than a year would have been unbelievable. Yeah. For the amount of work Becky needed to do on herself. Yes, I agree. But a year has passed and Becky's still working at the coffee shop, still doing her thing, still trucking. <laughs> and Craylock, the demon from before, comes into the coffee shop and he is surprised to see Becky. But he knows all the scoop because he's big into art, I guess, and he knows Bastiana. And he tells her that Logan is engaged again and Bastiana's doing okay and... He's actually on the board for the art museum now. And by the way, we're opening a new wing on Friday. You should come to the opening. Becky's like, yeah, maybe. She wants to, but she also feels weird about it. But her friend Gemma doesn't let Becky talk herself out of it. They actually, (laughs) Gemma and that artist that Becky did the showing for get together and remake Becky's wedding dress into something gala appropriate (laughs) you know very arty and kind of underground they take out a lot of the underskirt and black spray paint and do like crystals on the bottom to look like stars becky goes to the opening but she's an hour late because she's trying to fly under the radar while she's there though she realizes that she recognizes all the artists that are being shown on the walls in this gallery it's all by artists that she's shown before either at the coffee shop or at bastiana's and then she sees quinn there and realizes that quinn is the one who was the quote anonymous (laughs) donor who opens the wing of the museum quinn comes to say hi and they have kind of a awkward conversation and then she gets called away all of the artists that are there come to greet Becky. One of them is etc., who is the person who happens to be engaged to Logan now. (laughs) 
all of the artists have somehow connected the dots. Like they kind of credit Becky for the fact that they're being represented in this gallery now. <laughs> it's a really great night, but Becky hasn't been able to find Quinn again before she leaves. So she's on her way out. Quinn is waiting for her outside. And it's still kind of awkward. I don't think they know where they stand with each other. I don't think they do either. Becky's car that she called for arrives and she gets in the car. But before she drives off, Quinn says, if you still have that gift I gave you, you need to open it. So Becky gets home. She finds the gift. She opens it. And it's a summoning kit. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't have any instructions. (laughs) And she immediately tries it out. And instead of making a arcane circle, she makes a heart. She waits and waits and waits, but Quinn doesn't appear. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door and it's Quinn. And she goes, yeah, I walked instead of using portals. There's no smoking in portals. (laughs) (laughs) So they have their reunion and realize, yes, they still want each other. They have wonderful, glorious sex and everything is fabulous. And then we get an epilogue. It's their wedding day. They get married and incorporate both human and demon customs. And Craylock gives a really sweet heartfelt toast to Quinn. And that's the end. And there was no audiobook for this book yet, at least at the time of the recording. So you had to read it, Em. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Were you happy for their happy? I'm reasonably happy for them. I'm definitely happier knowing that the epilogue was like a year later. Yeah. Where Becky had some time to like stand on her feet. <laughs> I still think that they'll have things to deal with going forward, but I I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I'm happy for them too. I agree with you. I think Becky is still working on herself, but maybe she's at a place now where she feels safe to have another person in her life. Yes. Where she feels like, She knows who she is more and she's okay with not drinking. You know, there was a nice touch too when she brings up the not drinking. She mentions that it had been nine months or something because the first two months were rough. I liked that there was a bit of realism there that it's not that easy necessarily. Yeah, and it and it won't be for going forward. No. It will be something that she'll always have to account for or deal with. Right. I think that there is a little bit of worry for me for for Quen a little bit because yeah she is all in 100% and Becky hasn't been shown to be all in on anything really ever no at least even throughout <laughs> the story we don't really see her all in on anything so yeah that would have been nice to see and I think Maybe comforting for the couple going forward. I think so. Well, let's rate them. Okay. How do you rate Quen? For the most part, I think she's awesome. There were some things that were a little awkward, but I mean, I I really liked that she felt like a full-fledged character to me. I do wonder, I mean, this doesn't, doesn't play into my rating. I just do wonder about her going forward if she knows what she's in for with Becky. (laughs) But I think they'll find their way. She does have that history with... Her prior love, too. Yeah, but they're not the same people. But yeah. No, I mean, I mean, being aware of the damage that drinking can do. 
Yeah. I I guess, like, there's some things... I know I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but there's some things that I kind of wish that were in the story, and maybe there might be some very good reasons why they're not. (laughs) I wanted that scene, or a scene, or part of a scene, that had Becky and Logan get it out in the air. Maybe it's not in there because they're not the primary couple. Maybe it would have made things too uncomfortable. I just, I don't know. It it felt like there's too much of a jump. I'm like, no, I want, I want the drama. I want... <laughs> yeah, the breakup was really easy, it felt. Maybe it's because she wasn't super invested in either Logan. You know, maybe he, it's because he wasn't invested. Or that's not where the story was centered, so why include it? I guess because it was so easy, it almost felt unfinished. Yeah. I think maybe that's, that affected maybe my happiness for them later on, even in the epilogue, because it just felt like, well, that, that feels like unfinished business or something. Maybe it's just in my head. Yeah, I think the author attempted <laughs> a bit because Logan's obviously moved on now. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Oh, for Quinn, I rate her awesome. I really liked her. I thought she was a very interesting, cool character. Mm-hmm. I really liked her voice. Yes. When we got her points of view, she seemed like such a badass. She does. There were a couple points that (laughs) that I pointed out where she was kind of pushy, but I think it's just her expecting Becky to be a badass too. Yeah, maybe. It's sort of like if, you know, you treat, hopefully, other adults like adults. (sighs) If they don't like it, they'll say something, which is great in theory, but doesn't sometimes always work out so well in real life and i don't know how i would have felt if she coddled becky either yeah no i wish that those dates had been more date like i think that quen even kind of took a bit of a circuitous route to get to becky maybe because she was aware of the relationship with logan by approaching her at work instead of just asking her out yeah and i think that she purposefully made it so it would be harder for Becky to say no because they're not necessarily dates. Yeah. Gray area. Yeah. But it didn't make me dislike her. (laughs) (laughs) I just really liked her. And you know, if she were a male hero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, a male love interest, we wouldn't even be having this conversation probably. So no, it's there you go. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that always happens. They railroad their heroine into <laughs> agreeing to something or going along with something or whatever. <laughs> How did you rate Becky? For me, Becky transitioned from awkward to close to awesome. Like she got better. Yeah. It was definitely rough going in the beginning. You know, by the end in the epilogue, she... She seems like more of an assertive, grounded person because she's created a life for herself. So she's not as dependent. So that was good. I think maybe I needed more of that transition somehow in the story. Maybe, maybe it's sort of along the lines of what you're saying. Like I, I maybe needed them together without the Logan in the room. Yeah. And you, you get a, a taste of that at the end, but I think I needed more of that in the story. What about you? I rated Becky awkward. Mm -hmm. I did really like her character. I thought she was a very well-rounded character, very interesting and complex. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, she made some choices that I thought were pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that doesn't often happen, especially with heroines. They tend to be kind of perfect. They must be good girls. Yes. I do agree with you that I would have liked to see some more couple time post Logan. This is one of those stories where they're not actually a couple until the very, very end. Yeah. And a lot of stories are like that. But this one is especially difficult to picture what it's like now because we weren't there for that whole year. Yeah. To be fair, like during that year, she was on her own. But there needed to be, I think, time before that year where we could get a sense of who they are together. Again, without Logan, Bastiana any of that or maybe maybe jump forward in the year and then take the story from there i think i would have preferred that something because she needed she cut ties with quen at the same time that she cut ties with logan and everybody else yeah i think there was a good reason for her to do that yes so i think that we really do need or i i i really would have liked to have seen some more time before the wedding before they got married <laughs> yeah less of an epilogue or make <laughs> adjust that epilogueness well what about the antagonist slash villains in the story well i put logan and bastiana on the list and i thought they were they were effective for me like they felt flushed out because they had more so bastiana than logan good points and bad you know i mean given yeah especially who Logan seemed to be, you know, his his selfishness and whatnot seemed in character. Also, I put sort of a little less on the list, but on the list, Becky was also her own antagonist. Yeah. Jorla, too, to a certain degree. Certainly for, for Quinn. <laughs> yes. And Becky was an effective antagonist for herself. And Jorla, he was, too. I mean, I think he was, I don't know... I don't know if I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, what about you and the antagonists? My list is basically the same as yours. I put Logan and Bastiana on there. I really liked both of their characters, the way they were written. Yeah. They were both complex. Um, Logan was much more hateable than Bastiana by the end of the story. Yeah. But he seemed like a normal person too he didn't seem like an evil person no and bastiana i kind of felt a little sorry for her really by the end because she has like this weird relationship with her son that like it's just kind of sad like she's not necessarily proud of him yeah and she doesn't necessarily have a good marriage either no, is the is his father still alive? He's completely absent in the story. I can't remember. If it, maybe it's because he's absent. I assumed he died. I thought he was alive, <laughs> but I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. <laughs> I put Jorlaha on the list also. I thought he was also effective. I think that his motives were harder to understand or see. That's in part to the fact that the Quen chapters were so short. It's hard to really understand what he was trying to do. Was he trying to protect Quen, really? Or did he have some other motive? Yeah, yeah. And then 
Becky, of course, I think this was really a story about her growing and becoming an adult. I think that she succeeded. I wish I'd seen a little bit more of the success as it happened. How did you rate the book? I gave the book a three. I really enjoyed it. I was very entertained. I rated it a four and a half. Yay! And I rounded it up on Goodreads to a five. Ooh, very good. I really liked the characters in this book. I thought the humanity in this book was just really well portrayed. Yeah, I agree. I just, I was really into it. (laughs) I thought it was good. I kept getting annoyed when I had to stop and take notes. (laughs) Yeah, you mentioned that. (laughs) Because I I wanted to keep reading it. I don't want to type notes. And if you look at my notes, there's typos all over it because I didn't want to take notes. I saw little corrections. I, was really <laughs> I know. I can't stand to leave them. I have to correct them. <laughs> Even though literally no one else is going to see them. <laughs> I was reading. I was seeing. I used. <laughs> well, uh, no one else aside from us, I mean. <laughs> this is probably true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say I couldn't give it the full five because I wanted I wanted more there were still some things that I just wanted more of but we kind of touched on that and and everything but overall I really enjoyed the book and I wanted it to keep going like okay when's the next one (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's supposed to be more isn't there I don't know I read the author's note and it was actually a really interesting author's note um she came out as she didn't really label it, but kind of bi slash pan slash queer in her author's note to her readership. And she said stuff about like how it's something that she never really felt open to exploring growing up because of her background, that kind of thing. And then she passed as straight because she got married to a man. So, but she is queer. And she wants to be out about it. And this story is kind of her saying she's out to her readers, I guess. Well, yay. So I thought that was kind of cool. I really liked her author's note. Yes, it was a a good author's note. An interesting one, an insightful one. Well, did you feel romanced? I did. Yay! I want a Quinn to come sweep me off my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very romantic i liked that when becky realized she was into women too that it wasn't really a thing for her like oh i guess i'm into women too okay she self-accepted relatively i don't want to say easily it's sort of the word i mean but not really because there was a lot about her that she had to accept so i think she had other other things on that self-acceptance plate Yeah, I think that her being bi or pan or whatever was not even on the list. Like, she had other issues. Yeah, she... This wasn't one of them. (laughs) She really did. (laughs) But yeah, I I did. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I did not. But I did really enjoy the story. And I I did really like her characters. I like the way she humanized her characters and made them real. I felt they were very authentic. So I have another question. Do you think anybody was the asshole? Oh, yeah, because of the title, right? Yes, ma'am. Not really. Maybe Jorla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so I was like, I want him on the list. Just a nosy little creep. But maybe it's well-intentioned and I'm just misread. I don't know. Uh, go away. <laughs> go away, dude. Logan, kind of, but he's he's not an asshole for having boundaries, even if they are like a double standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some growing up to do. Or not, I guess maybe because his dad didn't. Maybe. Who knows? And I mean, Becky, not really. I mean, I think everyone just kind of made mistakes. Yeah, they were human. <laughs> didn't communicate very well. Yeah, they were humans <laughs> with, with issues, but they weren't really assholes, I would say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else have you been reading? Well, I'm, I'm still reading it, but I, I started... A History of the World in Six Glasses by Tom Standage. The book kind of covers when humans traded in foraging for agriculture about 10,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent. And we decided, hey, we've got grains. Hey, look what grains do. <laughs> when they ferment, they make beer. Woo-woo. I uh, know. It starts with beer, then goes to wine, spirits, coffee, tea, and cola. And how that has changed our cultures and stuff when we started drinking less water. But in a way, it was at least an early beer was good because the water had microbes and things in it. So when we boiled the water and yeah, stuff. the beer stuff, was safer. Yeah, exactly. And not the beer that we think of today. Right. Less alcoholic, for starters. <laughs> yes, we've increased that. He covers like Chinese beer, Aztec beer, European beers. But again, I'm, I'm just starting the book. So, well, what have you been reading? I recently finished Red by S.J. Sanders. Mm -hmm. This is a sci-fi romance. I'm sure everyone's surprised. I know I am. <laughs> it's also a retelling of a fairy tale, Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, fun. Along with sci-fi romances... Another thing I really struggle to resist is fairy tale retellings. Why struggle? <laughs> so this <laughs> this pushes both of those buttons. <laughs> woo woo. It takes place on a dystopian world where humans are living inside these sanctuary style settlements and they are not allowed to wear any red or other bright colors because that will attract the wild aliens that have also settled on the planet mm. and these wild aliens are are they bulls i'm sorry <laughs> they are wolf-like oh oh wolf <laughs> yes because little red riding hood yes not bulls <laughs> this is not a minotaur story <laughs> this is a werewolf story okay Okay. <laughs> Only they're not werewolves. They are wolf-like the whole time. Oh, okay. Wolfman-esque. Our heroine's name is Ari, and she has bright red hair. And as a result, has always had to hide her hair so that she won't be ostracized or possibly cast out. When her secret becomes threatened with being exposed... She leaves into the woods to try to find her grandmother, who lives in the citadel, 
and she hopes that people will be more accepting there. But when she's in the woods, she meets the big bad wolf, or rather three of them. A triumvirate. (laughs) (laughs) And romance ensues. (laughs) Yay! Uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of a slow burn, and it, it is a reverse harem for people who may or may not want that. And there is some political intrigue Mm. as well. And once she gets to Grandma's house, she's actually not sure she wants to stay there. Uh Uh-oh. That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Or come find us on Twitter at RomanceMeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Becky and Quinn's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss The Lucky Heart by Debney Perry. Bye! (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna need a a western. Yes, ma'am. That's that's what I said. You can do it. I believe in you.